Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Pigeon podcast, bringing you the top health tech news stories and analysis every single week. I'm James and back with me today, I have my co-host Henry and all the way from Australia, we have Peter Birch from Talking Health Tech. Pete, how you doing mate? I'm good. I was going to make a pigeon sound effect for some reason. I felt that was the time <laughs> to make like a... I assume that is on brand for the the health tech pigeon it's on brand podcast? for the podcast. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the good. less serious version of the health tech podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> I've got three three hundred episodes of me having decent conversations with people. But uh, yeah, you're yeah. on this one to enjoy yourself. Did you know, I, did you know I, I'm hitting episode three hundred of talking health tech next week. It's oh, going to be the big congrats. three double zero. Yeah, congrats. yeah. You just said three hundred. I'm like, oh yeah, that's building up to it, and uh, that's. That's coming out, but that's that's going to be exciting. But but I'm I'm all on board, ready for my uh, my my pigeon time now. It's nine p.m. on a Friday night here in Australia, so I'm double caffeinated with my two coffees and uh, <laughs> ready to rock and roll. Let's let's do this. Beer thing. in your hand, shrimp on the barbie, all of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's what we do. Henry, how you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I, I I won't be making a pigeon noise because my ability to mimic animals is um, rubbish, frankly. Unlike Peter's, which is perfect, perfect pigeon. I've been practicing. I, yeah. I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> All right, should we talk about some health tech, guys? Let's do this. Story number one this week: the World Health Organization has launched the world's most extensive freely accessible AI health worker. Uh, This digital health worker called Florence 2.0, what a name, uh, will give advice for mental health, healthy eating, and even quitting smoking. Pete, you've had a little look at this. What's going on here, mate? Yeah, well, this looked familiar and rung a bell, and then I read through the article, and it's, and it's, the technology is from the team at Soul Machines. And and I've, I've spoken with the team from Soul Machines a few times. I actually saw them Years ago, at a it was like at a startup conference here in Australia. It was a HubSpot event, although no, well, no, it was just a startup event. But there was something, um, and they were, they were showcasing these these AI tools to like you can just speak to the computer and it talks back. And this is back in 2016, 17, and that blew my mind then. So, um, you know, seeing these tools being applied to health, I don't know. I, like, it'll be interesting to see if people take to you know knowing full well that it's you know, not a real human, but, you know, you look at the pictures in the article, gee, it looks like a human. And when you, I know I've done a few demos with the soul machine tools and the, whatever you call them, the, the robots, do you call them robots? Um, so. And, and I don't know, they're, they're, they're responsive. It's, it, they, they, they act like more human than some humans I've spoken to <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, but it'd be interesting to see how people go with health, um, about it for the health. So this is a physical robot. No, no. It, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a a like a, it's not an actual like physical robot, but they create them and it's got algorithms behind it, it's a bunch of technology, and then you can speak to it like you're in a Zoom call, I guess, or Teams or whatever. Got it, yeah. And and apparently it takes cues for like it's not just what you say. It's not just the words. It's not like Siri necessarily. It's takes the visual cues and kind of um, prompts you that way. But, um, yeah, I, I, have seen other studies of, of, you know, how people respond to and how people speak to AI and, you know, th- there's this whole other point around that. I, I'm fascinated in how these kind of things go. So I think it's, could be good. I'm interested to know what problem it's solving. Like is, you know, the, well, they're running out of, you know, I, I guess with, with, with less humans to deliver healthcare across the world, potentially having tools like this to, 
to help, particularly if it's a free tool. It's yeah. I think that's a really good point. What problem is it solving? Although it's doing it in a lot of different languages, it covers like well over half the world's population. So for people who maybe don't have access to healthcare uh, or easier access to healthcare, I suppose is what it's providing. The creepy thing for me is just the uncanny valley thing, like where it just, it's so close to being perfectly human. It just sort of weirds me out a little bit. And maybe that's a personal thing, but I would almost rather the information was delivered to me by something that looks less like a human i don't do we need it to look like a human do we have a better relationship with things that deliver advice that are human i I don't know well it's scaling that one-to-one isn't it that human to human thing i I don't know like it seems to be giving advice like having a look at this it seems to be like that seem that's its major focus right so her topics like i calls it her her topics like tobacco and unhealthy diet kill 60 million people every year so it seems to be scaling that advice Thing. And I guess the thesis or hypothesis is probably that if it's if that advice is delivered by something that looks a bit more human, perhaps it's easier to engage with, perhaps it helps with adherence. I don't know, but seemingly mm. is out there trying to solve problems. So an interesting one. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, for anybody listening that remembers um, when Sensely came over to the UK, um, that was like a... Mm. It was like a primary care, well, essentially this, it was essentially an AI avatar that would help with triage and booking and all that stuff in primary care and kind of reminds me of that. Perhaps sensibly was a bit before its time. I find there's there's definitely a use case for this type of technology with that kind of front-end administration stuff. And you've seen those demonstrations of Google mm. having the, you know, the AI telephone phone the calls that sound yeah. like real humans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but then this is that next level of providing advice to people rather than just organizing stuff for them. Because I'd be okay with speaking to it. And we do it already with chatbots and stuff saying, I mm. want to, I've worked out with chatbots on websites. If you just write human like a hundred times, it eventually yes. kind of just goes to some. <laughs> it's like, so, <laughs> so like, um, but yeah, I'm definitely one to watch. Hey, if people take advice. I really like the idea of just all of the chatbots that you interact with having some kind of human hostage in a cupboard at the back. I'm like, fine, fine. If you really want one, and they're just going through and being like, we've got a lead for you. Give me the human. (laughs) Honestly. Right, on to story number two. Story number two this week, September's Hottest Seeds. Uh, Henry, this is obviously one for you, mate. I mean, this week, I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to call Sifted out, but they released this like three days later than they usually do. And I've actually searched for it just in case <laughs> I've missed it coming out. That's, that's how unnecessarily. You just love this feature. I'm I'm just, you just love it. I, just, I think because I'm married to someone in fintech and we routinely lose to fintech in how much money we bring in, there's <laughs> a sort of sadomasochism thing going on there. Um, yeah, so we did come second again to fintech, but we've, 55 million euros was raised by health tech in september fintech's at 67 that gaps usually around that much margin but actually there were some other industries catching up and they've raised less i know a month is not a long time and it's not something you can predict a trend from but it's encouraging to see and the reason i include these every month i think is that we see loads of doom and gloom and we'll come on to one later on where everyone's like ah oh, funding's not what it was in 2021 when literally everyone with a fiver was investing in health tech <laughs> so it's good to see that we are still people are still raising this is not a great economy globally it's certainly not uh, an economy in the uk that many investors have that much confidence in right now 
So I just, I include it because I think it's important to point out that there is not just uh, negative action happening in the markets. It covers off two of the bigger ones for health are Healy, which is a Bulgarian startup who I'd never heard of, but really interesting company. Um, they do like digital check-in and telehealth, mainly in like what looks like Bulgarian primary care. Uh, and they have got investment from Calm Storm, Nina, Kea. So some big names. Um, and then I think it's called Zund. It could be Xund. The X could be silent. It could just be Und. Uh, I've clearly done my research into them, uh, who are Austrian. Uh, I don't know what noise X makes in, in Austria, but there we are. Uh, Six million euros for them. So um, so they do something that I think is really interesting and I've never heard of before, but they're definitely worth talking about for two minutes. So they have built AI that analyzes medical publications and provides an API to help people understand their symptoms a little bit better. But they're also, I believe, from doing a bit of digging around them, using that um, AI that reads medical publications to sort of synergize different medical publications that are happening around the world so where people are talking about the same things they reckon that they can pull all that information together and come up with more research that's being built by ai which i think is fascinating and at the moment there's no way of doing that right you'd have to be a subject matter expert who had read every paper in that area to know how to make those links and where to make those links so that i think is a as a fierce idea i love that I can remember like six or seven years ago, I was at a, like a health tech sort of meetup drinks type thing. And I remember chatting to these two Canadian people that were trying to solve this problem of, can we build something that can read all medical publications and essentially then retain all that knowledge in a certain area or all the areas for then the advancement of research and improved diagnostics of rare diseases and things like that. Anyway, caught up with them again at a different one. And as I say, this was like six or seven years ago. And they were like, it's too hard. Can't be done. It's impossible. But clearly six, seven years later, there's people having another go and trying to solve this and probably plenty in between with technology moving on and stuff. I think honestly, it's it seems it seems an obvious area where so much impact can be made mm. if medical publications on mass can be read and ingested by something with the processing power to then do something really useful with it at the other end it seems like an obvious one right but yeah super interesting i mean it speaks to that whole speaks to that whole problem in healthcare generally of of half the problems being communication problems and there's so mm. much good research that's out there that sits deep within studies or is with people who might do something with it, but then there's others that have other skill sets that wouldn't have gone deep into the the studies. But if it was presented in a different way, so they're more perhaps utilizing AI, clean out the the noise and and bring out the the gems. Yeah, mm. I mean it's an area to explore. Any hot seeds that you've seen in Oz recently, Pete? There's um. The recent one with with um, human that was a no that was a series A I believe. Jeez, the now you've put me on the spot in terms <laughs> of seed rounds. What was the human one? Human was uh, the product manager from Canva, and uh, so two Canva oh, employees, yeah. backed by Airtree, and you know they're again more consumer facing uh, healthcare stuff. And interesting watching them start to build up the team and uh, build out a product. So I think they're going to make a bit of noise next year, which is exciting. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I think that there's in Australia, it's it's like other parts where um, there's 
there are still announcements going out of of people, you know, raising money. There's 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 less. So you know, we'll talk about that a bit later on in this in this conversation. There's there's less, but it's it's understandable. There's um um that that consolidation and and getting on and oh, doing great things consolidation. Right now. Yeah, I spoke about that on the on the roundtable. I was on sifted the other day. Just oh yeah. Anyway, let's go on story number three. Story number three this week. So well-being startup banks $35 million. So an impressive Series B for Aussie startup Sonder. And it supports employees of corporates, the likes of Woolworths. God, that's a blast from the past uh, in the UK anyway, Woolworths. Do you remember that, Henry? My God. Uh, the Commonwealth Bank Toll Group. I was going to say, we call it Woolies. We don't call it Woolworths, even though well, it's called so did, it. We're Australian, so did we, so we, we 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 call, we call it bankrupt now. <laughs> what is your, what is, what is Woolies in Australia? Like, is it, is it, Woolies, in the UK, is a grocery was, store. So in the UK, Woolies was a place that you would buy singles, like, like oh. you'd buy music, you'd buy, you'd steal pick and mix. You wouldn't buy pick and mix, you'd buy <laughs> pick and mix, that's it. You would steal sweets. And then just like junk, just, just utter junk. You'd pick up a board game on the way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The kind of place like, I, I actually don't a know. spare tyre. Yeah, yeah. Like just like something for your grand for Christmas, maybe a birthday <laughs> yeah. card and yeah. And then just steal some more sweets. And it, strangely, just maybe because of all this theft it went bankrupt uh, and people had to <laughs> actually it went bankrupt because it was a terrible shop but yeah but let's start there woolies woolies going strong in australia Pete? going strong yeah biggest um uh one of the two biggest grocery stores in australia but they own all the like big w which i find is a strange name for a, for a shop anyway but it's kind of we're so used to it but um it's a separate shop called Big W, which is kind of like it sounds like what your what your old Woolworths was. I don't know, um, but the yeah, it, a lot of employees in Australia. Yeah, well, there you and, go. And if yeah. you're just tuning in, you're joining us while we discuss grocery stores in Australia. That did have relevance, though. <laughs> so true. Um, oh, Sonda, yes, that's yeah, right. Sonda, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it did have relevance, Sonda. Hey. Go for it. Yeah, so so Aussie Aussie company they've raised what did they do? Was that a thirty five mil? Is that a Series yeah. A? And they've been around for a little bit. Oh, Series B, it's a Series B. Nikki was involved with Blackbird, getting uh, involved there a couple of years ago. Blackbird made a point of not doing anything health related. And Nikki's come out a few times and said, "Well, we definitely are now." But this was this was in back in 2018, 2019. They started getting more involved in healthcare. Um, so, I mean, that's a good one to to have behind them in an area uh, that globally is uh, of uh, importance, being employee well being. Generally, approaching the big corporates is probably a, a safe pace, place to be, you know, approaching these days. Arguably easier going into bigger corporate than, say, big hospital groups. Um, mm. And I think that the way they, they go about it is br- bridging technology plus humans is their kind of spiel for, for Sonda to be able to help uh, employees, I think you know a lot more than just the standard employee assistance program that you you know get each time you join a company. It's like, oh, if you've got a problem, just call the EAP, which is a very you know cop out answer that bad managers give. I don't know if is that a thing in in the UK. We've got the EAP in Australia, like an employee assistance program. Yes, yes. We don't. Yeah, we don't. 
I, we're British, so we, we we just mumble into our tea and complain, <laughs> complain like that. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't want to talk to anyone about my feelings. That would be outrageous. It's, it, <laughs> no, it's it's a it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a a cultural thing where organisations where they, you know, it, it's a requirement that companies have an employee assistance program so that if you're feeling like you need to speak to someone from outside of the organisation, you can speak to the AP. But a lot of companies kind of just have it as a throwaway line and mm. it's kind of a good opportunity to wipe your hands and say, well, if you've got a problem, speak to them. But the companies that are a bit more forward thinking and looking after their staff are doing things that um, are actually meaningful and helpful. So it looks like that's the space that uh, Sonda's working in. I could be wrong, but that's my understanding. Amazing. Maybe I need to speak to them for the Talking Health Tech podcast <laughs> and, and learn a bit more about it. Is that a common business model in health tech in Oz, Peter, in terms of going, going, to, going to employers? So... I think it's it's definitely growing here and there's there's obviously certain problems and that it's going to tackle more than others clearly but it seems to me like in the UK almost like that remit's increasing it just seems to be a more I don't know what the word is but kind of a, a more politically correct way of dare I say it like private healthcare or just getting people extra cover for certain things I don't know what what do you mm. think well, you know, it's this from an employer's perspective, I think a lot of the priorities right now were more about trying to bring employees in to utilize big facilities that they have, you know, fat leases on that um, they can't get rid of. So that's more that's more about, you know, having parties in the office and stuff like that. However, there is also a big focus from an employee's perspective about duty of care how you're yeah. engaging staff members if they're not in the office mm. because I think a lot of companies are like, well, half the time they're going to be remote anyway. How can we engage with them? So companies, especially the larger ones, will always need that kind of support. Years ago, I worked for a company called International SOS. They've got a global presence, but you know, in Australia, strong one too. And that was very much all about providing services on behalf of employers and you know the Australian healthcare system's pretty similar but different to the UK it's it's nothing like the US but that US model is very much about you know employers pay for healthcare but yeah you're right we're seeing more and more employers trying to differentiate i guess and it's very much in the job ads about hey look part of this program or there's a gym membership or there's a you know uh, we use Sonda whatever it might be um there's there is more of that and from a, from a vendor's perspective I would argue it's it's still a bit of a, uh, you know, it's it's like dealing with any big company, but, you know, it it opens up, I guess, you know, there's only X amount of hospitals in a certain area, particularly if they do a certain thing. But if you've got the ability to serve to um, employers, uh, it opens up to different industries that you could be servicing that, that are outside of healthcare. So story number four this week, declining VC investment in digital health. Welcome back, the doom mongers, the cynics, the harbours of pessimism. Uh, Forbes has pointed out that funding is down on 2021 levels. Henry, tell us about this one. I thought that you went sort of full Robert Smith from The Cure then with your <laughs> language. <laughs> it's a bit of gothic kind of uh, health tech. Uh, yeah, I we, we seem to have this every week now, don't we? Talking about uh, declining investment. And there's just this one thing that seems to be missing from all of these articles. And Forbes touches on it for half a sentence, so fair play to them, that makes them a lot better, is that 
comparing funding this year to funding in 2021 and even the tail end of 2020 when the world and his nan wanted to invest in health tech and there was lots of dumb money for one of a better phrase floating around to now is only really a valid analysis if you then look at the trend from 2019 and back and whether that graph matches where we are now and if you would look at q3 q4 20 uh, 2019 that trajectory is what we're on now there was a huge spike when healthcare was all that anyone cared about for a very brief period and health tech became this huge pot of inflated money and now it's just gone back to the normal trajectory it's still going up over 2019 levels we just have to accept that short of another pandemic happening which i'm fairly sure none of us want it's unlikely we'll see that spike again um so forbes touches on it for half a sentence but Otherwise, it's a fairly decent analysis. Um, it's it's frustrating. And Peter, I don't know if you see this in Australia as well. It's frustrating to me to see all these sort of clickbaity titles out there like, oh, investments down 235% over Q2 2021. Of course it is. Of course it is. Because that was a complete freak. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is Australia the same? Well, yeah. I mean, if they did stats like, I don't know, the number of people working from home has like it's just stating the obvious <laughs> yeah. kind of thing it's not like it's just um but yeah it uh, that's that's that is frustrating and it, and it's not helpful i don't think in terms of providing confidence and giving opportunity to um you know more startups to be able to or organizations of any size to to raise the capital they need to continue to grow and serve more patients so um no i'm with you on that one that but, and then there are plenty of other examples of companies doing successful raises yeah. and 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 kicking goals, and they get they get less of the limelight sometimes, arguably depending on where you're reading, um, and to make way for, you know, graphs that show stuff that coming off the back of the anomaly. I was trying to explain why this frustrates me to someone the other day, and the only analogy I could think of was that. In, in the UK, when there's a big England game on, the, there's a huge spike in the electric grid at halftime when people go and put the kettle on and make a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. The guy I was explaining this to is a big football fan. And the only analogy I could think of would be to then write a news article about the 10 minutes at the beginning of the second half and be like, popularity <laughs> of tea falls 9,000% in an hour. Because, <laughs> because that's the sort of the, the levels of, I don't want to say stupidity, the level of, kind of ignorance that people are putting these articles together with. And it, it frustrates me. And I just think it would be really nice for someone to put something out there. Uh, James is now going to tell me to go off and write it. And I'm not going to because I'll forget. But it'd be nice for someone to put something out there to be like, look, here's normal. Here's the normal trajectory of our industry since it started to get more investment mm. 10, 15 years ago. Here's the freak moment. And here's where we are. And those angles of attack are the same. I could dust off my Forbes contributor platform and pen something along those lines, try and increase some market confidence and all those different things. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Isn't it? I'm hearing a lot of shoulds and coulds, guys. I, I know. I'm I know, hearing man. a lot of shoulds and I coulds. I know. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you used to write for Forbes? You've never mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm this contributor. To, anyway, uh, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I could, uh, I, I, I could do something, but yeah. Then and so the sifted thing that I was on the the, the week, you know, it was there's some from Silicon Valley Bank on there that was saying that yeah, the, the VCs have still raised this money, and I know Bell mentioned it on this last week, and yeah, you know, the VCs have still got their funds. They've still got I think fifty five percent of them or forty five percent of them to deploy of the ones raised last year. So there is there is still money around, and I think the 
the thing is uh, what this person from Silicon Valley, Valley Bank said, the best businesses will still get investment. And yes, okay, valuations mm. might change and all these other things that come along with a lack of confidence and, and seemingly less money perhaps and economic turndown and all the rest of it feeding in. But the best businesses will still get investment. And I think that is a, that is an interesting one. Perhaps we won't see the volume of seed investments from angels or that kind of thing. But... I do still think the outlook is positive, as you say, Henry. If you look at that graph up to 2019 and then where we are now and beyond, it is still encouraging from that perspective. Um, and we are second to fintech. It's not as if we're eighth or tenth or 51st mm. in all the different sectors, right? We're still up there. So comparatively, there is still a good news story in here, mm. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And our last story today. So malware as a service emerging in healthcare. Mass. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. What What's going on here? So increasing numbers Sounds of attacks. Sounds convenient. <laughs> <on> <laughs> yeah. Increasing numbers of attacks. Uh, massive attacks. Mass attacks. I don't know. On global oh, healthcare yeah. IT systems. Yeah. Henry, how did you miss the massive attack joke in here? Um, for Pigeon this week. Well, it but hasn't anyway. been published yet, so that's... It hasn't been published yet, yeah. <laughs> yeah you exactly. might see <laughs> massive attack in Pigeon. Um, but obviously cyber attacks, not good uh, in healthcare, particularly not good. Um, Pete, you've seen a fair bit of this, right, in Oz recently? Or a little bit of it, or well, one big recently, bit? Recently, yeah. Well, there's one <laughs> one very big bit that, that I feel like is going to come up on every slide about cybersecurity in Australia for the next 20 years is this recent... Um, Optus breach. So Optus is um, one of the biggest telcos here in Australia. And there was a recent cybersecurity, like a, like a hack that apparently wasn't a very good one, but it was good that it, it managed to breach 9.8 million people's data. And that's, you know, we've got 20, like I said, 25 million people in Australia. And so I guess, you know, you take out kids and all that kind of stuff. It's like a lot of, a lot of adults because it wasn't just, you know, existing customers. It's like previous Optus customers back to 20, I don't know, 17 or something. And, and so there's a lot of basic information. But then there was like a smaller percentage of those, but still millions of people's like um, Medicare numbers, passport numbers, driver's license. And so all the information, like 100 points of ID that you can do anything in theory, as people. So it's not just been one of those, you know, reset your password type things. There's been a lot of press in Australia. It's, you know, state governments here in New South Wales, or actually across Australia, Optus is refunding people's um, getting new driver's license numbers, new passports. You know, basically, that sounds so inconvenient to me because I know each time a credit card expires, how annoying it is to, you know, reconnect your credit card. What about doing all your part? Like that's just, but for so many people too. So, um, and that sounds like a mild inconvenience compared to the actual, what would actually happen for people ongoing identity theft, like for, for a long time. So such an important issue. And just, it's mind boggling that for such a big organization here in Australia, that it happened through such a rudimentary thing. So that's going to be talked about for a long time. So I think everyone here in Australia, particularly for the big organizations, are on high alert when it comes to cybersecurity. And, and it's kind of like you always are on, like we talk about how it's important. And then you have something like this where it kind of just rocks you a little bit and everyone's like, okay. So I'm sure many organizations and cybersecurity side. So anyth anytime I see something about cyber and malware at the moment, the, the uh, Optus is usually 
mentioned in quick succession. It's uh, uh, yeah, a big one. It's, it's worrying, isn't it, when you say like not very good one as well. Like I don't know what that particularly yeah. means in terms of how sophisticated <laughs> different cyber attacks are. But if some if someone if a spokesperson's coming out and saying yeah, it got us, and it wasn't even a particularly good one, you know. Um, mm. it, it, yeah, advertises that you're uh, not in a particularly good shape to defend against them in future. Um, but clearly, malware as a service is coming through to help. I don't, I don't fully understand what 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 that is, though. Like, and I and I looked at the article, and I got to say, I didn't totally understand. So, ha- do you buy the the malware? Like, malware's not good, though, is it? I, that's like, what, you know, that's kind of what I thought. <laughs> so I think the best way, the best way this was ever explained to me was when I was doing ISO at a previous job. We were doing like ISO 27001, which is one of the sexiest things you can do in your career is uh, mm. information security standards. One of the better regulatory <laughs> yeah. frameworks, that one. Uh, top, certainly top eight. Um, it's a top eight regulatory framework. Yeah. Top top eight regulatory frameworks. Um, join us next week while I go through the the other seven. <laughs> um, but um, someone explained the idea of like of this kind of service a bit like pen testing as like a vaccine. So your vaccine, you're putting in something a dead version of a of a thing to build antibodies, right? Sort of like that. You're trying to break your own systems, but you know who's trying to break them. Does that make sense? Right. So mm. you're introducing malware into your own systems, but in a way in which it's it's safe to do so. So it's not an attack. It's you attacking yourself to work out where those vulnerabilities exist. Um, so very similar to sort of, not, not very similar, but similar to pen testing that you do with software mm. companies. Um, I think that's a really good idea. Um, I feel like there is a really bad Hollywood movie in it where it goes wrong. And like maybe the government mm. is using malware as a service. And then like, I don't know, like a, something happens, a shit blows up. Uh, Michael Bay will get involved. But yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. Um, and I've now written three massive attack puns for pigeons. So, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> it's so it's like a Heath test before you have a TB jab. So that little, you know, the daisy that you have before your TB to test your own immune system first. So it's kind of like that, I guess. The idea is that you you find the vulnerabilities in your system before someone who wants to find those vulnerabilities and exploit them. Um, so I think that's a great idea. I think that this is this is sort of pen testing on steroids, and that can only be a good thing for an industry that is, I mean, it's ripe, particularly the NHS, for malware attacks. And we've, we've had one cry in 2017. There was the ransomware attack. Was that during COVID? I feel like that was during COVID. Think so. like 2020 so two in five years that are large scale so mm-hmm. yeah something like this where we can at least find out where the problems are before anyone you know anyone finds them and uh, and does something bad with the information that they can they can access is a great idea well it's interesting here in australia too the optus thing it's like we don't we don't have a framework similar to gdpr here in australia we've got the australian privacy principles but GDPR is a way higher standard than what we've got here. And I think that this is probably going to be the that tipping point that takes us to from just these guiding principles about, oh, just, just make sure you look after everyone's data, all right? Is that cool? Sick, thanks. <laughs> to something a bit more robust that, like, will that fix everything? No, but I think that it's unfortunate that breaching half of the population's information is is what's required to do this but i love that that's your your impression of sort of australian legislation like your parliament just being a lot of people being like guys could you just be nice to each other like, that'd be great <laughs> yeah cool thanks <laughs> yeah otherwise we've got to do more stuff um yeah that's 
<laughs> and now everyone's like, oh man. GDPR in the UK is a difficult one, though, isn't it? Because we've we've famously left the EU, uh, and it was an EU piece of legislation. Oh. So there's lots of stuff around there about like what happens and the continuation of those things, and uh, whether that gets on the big regulatory bonfire or not. Fingers crossed, it doesn't. I think cybersecurity is one area of. Is it an area of health tech? Because it's definitely something that I think should absolutely go into all the conversations that like. You know, if there's a big health tech event, there should be a few talks and panels on cybersecurity. It seems to be, perhaps in my mind, it's just not occupied as much uh, space as it should have done. Because actually, with this, I don't know, just just the volume of new technology and and everything that needs protecting and where we're going with patient data and all the rest of it. I suppose actually it is part of that patient data conversation. It's been part of, dare I say it, you know, the Web3 and the blockchain conversations about holding patient data and security relating to that perhaps is where I've come across it most. But actually, I wonder if it really should be a more mainstream part of the conversation. Because as you say, Pete, to have to breach half an entire country's population before it then gets on the radar of we probably need a bit more than let's be nice to each other. Perhaps globally, there should be more of, or you know, where it, in the health tech world, perhaps we should be talking about this more. Perhaps we should be defining some companies as health tech companies that are doing this for healthcare organisations and just getting them into those events and on those podcasts. And Pete, and you know, maybe we should start bringing it in a bit more. But it's not, and this is the thing: like, it's not, it's not sexy, is it? And mm. it's only like front of mind when when things go bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then d- does it pique the interest of investors? You know, mm. it depends. I guess I guess the good ones, yes. Um, and that's yeah, it's it's finding those those right backers to do it. We, we've tried to cover um, you know topics about like sessions on cybersecurity at our summits and things are talking about. Interestingly, a lot of people ask for those sessions, and then when we go out and looking for people to speak on it, a lot of people say. Or oh, I don't know if I'm the right person, and it's like you're a cybersecurity person. You you are you are the right person, and and they're more than qualified. I think people don't want to be putting themselves out there as the expert because it's such a well. No, sorry, there are people that want to put themselves out there as the expert, but it's not an area like you know another part of healthcare where people kind of just shoot the breeze and talk about what they what they reckon. A lot of people in that space are kind of like, well, I don't like it's such a fast moving area and they don't want to be seen as the one that's kind of providing misinformation. It's, it's really interesting. What, what, that was at one session that we found it quite hard to find, you know, four people who really passionately wanted to talk about it, but there were a lot of people who wanted to hear about it. So that was, um, I don't know what to take from that, but um, that's something I took away from trying to organize something like that. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I always think when we come across something like this, that it's a good idea to just think, who can I, who can I think of in that sector? There must be a company. There's got to be someone. And there's CareCert. That's it. That's the only thing off the top of my head. Obviously, I'm not an encyclopedia of UK health tech companies, but that's the only one I can think of. Like cybersecurity, health tech related companies? Yeah. But I think CareCert, I'm going to have to look them up now, but I thought CareCert did sort of more of the like training of staff to be vigilant kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's that belongs to NHSD. Like that's just a sort of like um monitoring thing for the NHS and sort of advice and training for people. It's not it's not a software solution, I suppose. Well, I mean every every health tech company, big or small, should have some kind of cybersecurity yeah. function in it. And having that as a core competency, I think, is, you know, something that these would 
hopefully bring more front of mind to founders or companies or you know executives and boards. It's usually always on the on the list of conversations, even at a board level. But sometimes that's too far and big and Mm. Broad to to actually put into practical in you know application. It's in, I mean, it's in every tender I've ever written selling into the NHS. Is mm. sometimes they go like full on as well, like which I quite like when you've got like someone who works in procurement who's got a bit of imagination because usually it'll be a checklist of have you got ISO, have you got DTAC, go through yeah. all of those, and then sometimes they're like, what would you do if someone physically attacked your service? <laughs> and you're like, well, great question. They're right behind me. I'd probably ask them what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get in here <laughs> take a hand <laughs> but yeah no it's it is it's a big problem and it seems odd that odd that it's not something that people are a talking about that much and b is being addressed maybe we'll pick it up man we'll um yeah we'll we'll pick it up we'll see we'll see uh see if there's any interest in it and we'll we'll do something on it um anyway for everybody listening that was the health tech news this week before we go Peter Birch, what's happening in your worlds, man? What's going on with talking health tech? I've seen you doing more video these days. You, you got, you've got you've got like a video drone following you now into events that you're just sort of talking to in this. It looks like a kind drone, of megalomaniac. Yeah. No, I'm joking, I- but like, like, this thing follows me the whole time now. I've got like a twenty four seven show. Yeah, yeah, like talking health tech twenty four. Like, it's great. Yeah, no, that 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 camera. So yes, I've. So talking health tech, we've done the podcast for a number of years. We're hitting episode 300 next week at the time of this recording. Awesome. So uh, doing more beyond the audio when bringing into video, particularly because there's a lot more in-person events and we're doing a lot of recordings at those events. So we've, it gives me a good excuse to buy cameras and play with more technology. Absolutely. And that's secretly the reason why I'm getting more involved in it, including that camera that you saw. I'm going to you know break the, the magic now. It's actually one of the, um, what is it? It's a uh, Insta360 X2. There's now an X3 available. But it's it's a, a camera, a 360 camera that's got, it's on a pole, but it, it uses AI to remove the selfie stick. No um, way, that's the, so cool. From the thing. So it's it's on a stick, but it, it you, the, the, the algorithm removes the stick. And funnily enough, it's on a three, it's a three meter selfie stick. So I could extend it to three meters <laughs> if I really wanted to. Um, which would look really weird, but at events. So that's going to be really handy for events, maybe not at three meters, but um, to be able to capture, say, interviews and you can, and then you can edit in post and kind of, sh- you know, shift where it's looking and this stuff. Explains, so that's me getting it. That explains so much because your hand is clearly holding a pole in it, but it's by your hip. So yes. I'd previously thought you'd like lost your belt and were just holding your jeans up. <laughs> <laughs> It was like really unnatural hand position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pole. So that it's was me playing with the yeah, playing with the, the the camera. So getting more natural with that. But now, I mean, that's. Um, but generally, you know, taking other cameras and stuff to recordings. Uh, we're also launching a podcast about ag tech, so agricultural technology, starting next week I saw as well. This. Um, I saw this. Mm. I'm interested in this, man. Talk to me a bit mm. about this. So obviously, you and I, yeah. uh, health tech creators and podcasters and very health tech health tech health tech branching out into talking about other things is something that i've been talking with a few friends about and a few different bits and bobs and you know you see the likes of ali abdal in the uk branching out from his medical school stuff into productivity and now more broadly just talks about entrepreneurship and interviews entrepreneurs and stuff it's just interesting to me like how you've thought about this and um yeah moving into ag tech super cool yeah so the way it kind of came about, the short version is I was introduced to 
a particular organization doing st- like technology in agriculture and someone's like, you should speak to this person for the podcast. I'm like, I had a chat with them. I'm like, this is so cool. Aggregating all this information from farms for farmers to give them a dashboard and then give, do actionable insights. And all these, you know, the things that trigger in your mind that from the health tech side about, well, how does it work in terms of interoperability? And what about the, you know, where does the data go? Is there AI involved? Um, And do farmers actually want to use all this stuff? And when I think about, so I went deep into that rabbit hole of agriculture and ag tech. And here in Australia, it's such a big, it's such an important industry. It's such an important industry globally, agriculture. You know, anyone that eats food, uh, it it probably impacts you in one way or another. Um, So the, but it's what I found fascinating is that it goes beyond just, you know, farmers with, you know, livestock and with uh, crops, but all of this technology around, yes, robotics and drones but I didn't realize how much space tech was involved in ag tech. So farmers are really across what happens when a satellite goes up because they use all the information from satellites for then understanding, you know, soil density and all these things that are measured. And farmers, I thought it'd be like, because I, like, as you say, I come from health tech 20 years in doing stuff in healthcare. It Sometimes it feels like, sorry, a lot of the time it feels like you're pushing technology onto doctors and nurses that most of the time don't really want to use it. That's probably a bit of a broad thing, but there's a lot of that where, you know, they if if they had their way, in inverted commas, they would go back to manila folders and bits of paper. And um, I'm probably not making too many friends with doctors and nurses. That's not a good call for my side in doing that. But um, is this like a scorched earth policy? You're like leaving health tech, okay. going to agritech, burn all the bridges, burning every bridge he's got. Uh, <laughs> I basically, think every doctor I've ever met's an idiot. So, <laughs> well, this, I don't, I don't think too many people from Australia listen to this podcast, or maybe they will now. So, now I'm in trouble. Um, but the what's interesting in ag tech, farmers absolutely, or at least in the in the early exploration I've done, absolutely embracing technology because they need to. They're entrepreneurial by nature. They've got to pull data from, they, they need information. And it's a tough industry to work in where um, it's not just all the macroeconomic stuff that's impacting what they do, but climate. And so like if the weather's crap, then they can't grow everything that's going to make them money for that for that period in time. So it's a really hard industry working. It doesn't get enough exposure here in Australia. I had contemplated, you know, branching out into you know, fintech, funnily enough, in doing something in the fintech space. But there's a lot of content about fintech and, you know, that we might do that, you know, I don't know, in five years time or something. But in terms of the parallels between healthcare and and ag tech and or agriculture, uh, really interesting. And when I started the podcast back in 2018 for talking health tech, particularly in Australia, the health tech scene didn't have a great deal of interest uh, from investors in terms or understanding about what it was. It felt like industry talking to industry these days, probably driven a lot by the pandemic. There's, you know, a lot more interest and awareness and it's up there and it's, it's quite still hot right now, but agriculture doesn't. And it's very much industry talking to industry and it's so important. And we talk about sustainability and food availability and Australia is supposed to be the the food bowl for, you know, feeding the world. And we and there are such good innovators working in the space, and not enough attention played to it. So, I'm not an expert in it. I'm exploring the space, learning about it, and hoping to learn more in public by speaking to people um, in the industry and getting the word out. And that's what the Talking Agtech podcast is. So, thank you for allowing me to ramble about it. Oh, not at all, man. It's it's, honestly, it's really cool, and I like. 
I just like how you're like, yeah, I'm going to go on this learning journey in public and actually educate everyone. I'm going to, you know, represent the audience and I don't know much about it, but I'm mm. going to get these innovators on. I know about the tech and I know the comparisons, how it applies to health tech. So let's do this together and shine my light on the sector. That's that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And interestingly, the, the first couple of conversations that we've recorded, you know, one of them came, he originally came from healthcare and now he's moved into ag. And so that conversation, so it's quite an accessible one for those that might've known the health tech side, but it's also hopefully an interesting conversation for people who are already deep in in the ag space and will have a listen, then can contact me after and tell me how how rubbish my my analysis was. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we can, but that's good. That's good. Let's learn together and well, mate, open to to feedback and criticisms. If, uh, if anybody wants to have a listen to some terrible analyses, you can head to episodes one to 20 or one to 50 or even one to a hundred of the health tech <laughs> podcast as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Some interesting yeah, same, analysis same. of healthcare and technology. <laughs> um, yeah. For clarity, really recommend the latter episodes. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> of your own podcast of my own podcast not less so i actually do you know what i even put a disclaimer now on the on the first one to 20 and i've literally just said at the start like guys just just don't, don't judge me on these ones like the equipment's not that great like my chat's not that good but you know you might, you might want to listen to some more recent ones yeah. uh, just in case anyone visits <laughs> a new podcast and starts at episode one <laughs> Uh, imagine getting into like getting into a new podcast you turn it on and the first thing that happens before any jingle is just the host coming on and going by by the way this is rubbish don't waste the next hour of your life i think that's relatable i think it's i think it's relatable i think it's good okay this guy's uh, all right it's yeah. relatable because anyway. no one's ever going to listen to episode one again ever <laughs> now everyone will that's another thing well, this is the problem car crash you can't just join to us a chance shit now uh, so guys, that was that was the health tech news. That was a bit about what's going on in Peter Birch's world in Australia and talking health tech. Pete, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about all the different things that you are up to with talking health tech, the community you've got out there in Australia and everything you're doing, talking ag tech now too, what is the best way for them to find all of that stuff? Follow me on LinkedIn. That's uh, I'm, I'm all over that. And talkinghealthtech.com is the website for the health tech side and talkingagtech.com now for the agriculture stuff. But hit me up LinkedIn, send me a DM. I usually reply. Awesome. Chat. Awesome. And for everybody else, if you want to grab all the links to the stories that you've heard about today, you can head to healthtechpigeon.com, subscribe to the newsletter. You're going to hear all about these on Sunday. Peter and Henry, thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, catch all your listeners next week.